Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The opinions voiced on this paid program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged managed and may not be invested into directly. International and emerging market investing involves special risks such as currency fluctuation and political instability and may not be suitable for all investors. Precious metal investing involves greater fluctuation and potential for losses. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor before making any financial investments. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. You're listening to the Summit Planning Financial Hour on News Radio 570 WSYR, now on 1069 FM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Summit Planning Financial Hour. I'm Rick Urchila here, Brian Leonard, your host. On anything financial, you can join us here live at 315 421 9797. That's 421 9797 for anything that's on your mind, financial comments, concerns, uh, anything you want to discuss, we'll, we'll tackle it this morning for you. Uh, well, I'll tell you, the um, market uh, is on a tear and had a great week again, and uh, right across the board, not only here, but globally. It's a risk on trade, is what we call it, uh, all coordinated uh, throughout the globe. And uh, it could be a little disheartening when you think, uh, well, geez, you know, I'm not uh, 80, 90 percent stock, so I'm not benefiting from this. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, that risk-reward ratio and how you have to look at things. Because uh, this is uh, going to continue probably. There looks like the momentum's there to get to the new highs. That's not that far from where we are. I think uh, in the S&P we're at 2893. <clears throat> the high was, what, 2940, 2930, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, right, Brian? Mm-hmm. It's about, uh, what, 2% away, right. less than that. And uh, could go a tad higher than that. Could go to 3000 on the S&P. But don't get uh, lulled to sleep with that because it's only a matter of time here before the risk-off trade comes back. And uh, we'll go back and examine what happened uh, last year. Because it was almost identical last year. I mean, we had a rough start, uh, but uh, pretty much from March right through uh, uh, mid-September, the market did exactly what it's doing right now before it uh, tumbled 19%. Anyways, uh, so for the week, the Dow was up about 1.9. S&P was up 2. The Nasdaq was up 2.7. Russell was up 2.8. Emerging markets up 3.4. China was up 5. Uh, The dollar index... uh, uh, gained a tad here, 0.14%. Uh, and now it's, uh, well, it's been, like I said, it, each and every week we, we mentioned, it's been trading in a band about 96 to 98, uh, really tight band right there, so it isn't affecting a lot of things. And uh, yeah, we had some retail sales numbers come out this week. We had an employment report come out this week. I'll be talking all about that too. The Atlanta Fed, their estimate of GDP, uh, you know, started out really low. I think it was like 0.4, and now they're all the way up to 2.1% for the first quarter, uh, which is really, really good. 
and uh, and we'll see what that ends up being. Uh, let's see, we've got how much time left here? Uh, I think the five, the first number comes out like third or fourth week in April. Yeah, yeah, for the real number. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> interest rates went straight back up this week after everybody was celebrating. Uh, lower rates for refinancing mortgages, I think mortgage applications, and the MBA weekly purchase index was up like 30-some-odd percent uh, for the week, which is unheard of. Never seen that before. And uh, uh, But rates have bounced back up now. And we're at 2.5% on the 10-year Treasury. We are 2.4 last week. Uh, now, we ended last year at 2.68, so we're still lower than that, but uh, not that much lower at this point in time. And, uh, of course, gold uh, can't get any bid here as the markets uh, uh, don't have any fear in them, so gold's going to stay put. Uh, it was flat for the week. Silver was down just a tad. Uh, and, of course, oil, which led the big market rally last year uh, from March uh, up to mid-September, uh, is doing the same thing uh, this time. Uh, it's up 4.7, I'd say 4.8% for the week. Now we're at 63.27 a barrel. Uh, remember, we started the year at forty-five eighty-four a barrel, so it's up almost twenty bucks a barrel, uh, which is a thirty-eight percent. That's how much oil is up this year. And unleaded gasoline, uh, which we ended the year at a dollar thirty-two in the wholesale price, is a dollar ninety-seven now. That was up four point two percent for the week. You have to add your eighty cents onto that, and when you do that, you're pretty close to two dollars and eighty cents a gallon. Uh, so that's going to have some negative impact as we go, you know, through the summer, as we get up to the peak pricing of oil, which is generally right around July 4th, and then it starts to uh, flatten out a little bit. Uh, but at this rate, I mean, 4% a week, uh, <laughs> even at 2% a week, and it brings you back to the stock market as well. Uh, the S&P's up over 15%. Uh, we're into just the second week in April coming up here, so... Uh, at that rate, you know, you're going to be up over 50% for the year, and it's not going to happen. So we are going to get a pullback, and the question is what's going to start it, what's going to drive it down. And, uh, you know, if history is any lesson, uh, as far as just a correction, it's generally just the slowness of the economy overall, less demand for energy. And then this is what happened last year. Energy prices, you know, got all the way up to uh, about $75 a barrel, by the time we got to the end of September, and then, of course, they started to nosedive from $75 a barrel to $45 a barrel. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of debt uh, in the energy uh, complex. A lot of the drilling in uh, West Texas and, and up in the Dakotas is uh, financed with debt. And, of course, when that price starts to come down, especially that quickly, uh, you get uh, a impact on any leveraged loans that are out there. And um, that created a panic in the credit markets, which spilled over to the stock market. Which eventually caused the Federal Reserve to completely backtrack. Completely panic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, completely panic and backtrack. And, uh, and of course, now they're getting all kinds of flack from the president, from his advisors to uh, not only not raise rates, but cut rates immediately. Now, that's telling you, that we've probably reached the end of the cycle here, not to say the market can't go up another 2%, 3%, but uh, we've gotten to the point where they realize that without extra uh, help and support from the central bank, uh, we probably have reached a, 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 you know, a crest in, in, in values because 
Corporate profits are supposed to be contracting this quarter. We won't know until I think the banks start when, Brian, next week? Uh, yeah, between the 12th and the 16th, sort of in yeah. that range. Yeah. yeah, The big banks start out first uh, with their earnings, and then it, it filters into the rest of the complex in the S&P over the next uh, two months, uh, with the peak, I think, is right around uh, end of April. You know, Rick, let's stay in oil a little bit longer. You know, it's such a key component. One of the reasons why we mention it is because the algorithmic computerized trading mechanisms out there, uh, they they sort of uh, trade off of oil. When oil goes up, market goes up. And, uh, but and that's the, because the debt isn't an issue. Correct. And at the same time, if you look at actual product demand, let's just take oil, because you would think, well, since oil's going up, it must mean the economy's improving. It's actually the complete opposite. Overall product demand continued to soften uh, down 1.6% from the same period last year. Uh, oil inventories have actually gone up over just the last two weeks, up over 10 million barrels. So, And the bottom line piece is with gasoline, it's got to be refined. Refineries normally run at 95 to 98% capacity. Right now, they're at 86% capacity. So you have this bifurcation where it's actually telling you that the economy is slowing, yet oil continues to go up. Yeah, well, they throw in the geopolitical reasons, uh, Venezuela being a big one. Uh, they sit on the biggest oil reserves on the planet. And, of course, we're trying to do regime change over there, <clears throat> which is going to impact impact their uh, exports. So uh, if they're not able to you know, get enough oil out of there. I think their biggest, uh, uh, where does the most oil there go? I think it goes to India at this point in time. They used to be our biggest uh, uh, place to get oil. Uh, but uh, now it's India because they cracked down on it. So that pressure is going is, is artificially pushing up uh, the price of oil right now. And, of course, you throw in some more restrictions on Iran uh, production as well, and you get this uh, uh, temporary boost up in prices, which it looks like it's, as you said, Brian, looks like it's because of higher demand, uh, but it's not. It's less supply, and that's a big difference because once that supply comes back on, if they ever resolve some issues in Venezuela, which probably isn't going to happen soon, but, uh, you know, that boost in supply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Buy again is going to shove the price of oil way down again, and that could trigger another debt crisis another panic by the Fed, and another QE program. Uh, so that's where we're at. And right now, everything's on a run. Uh, they've, they've gone back to uh, junk bonds. They've gone back to leveraged loans. Uh, they're buying everything that's not nailed down, except for the treasuries. The treasuries have sort of uh, frozen out here a little bit because rates have come back up. But everything else on the planet uh, is just uh, skyrocketing back up. And Jamie Dimon, who's the uh, president of... Uh, of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, and uh, they wanted him to run for president, but he decided, I'm not that stupid. Anyways, uh, he came out and he said, uh, Jamie Dimon warned investors to get ready for more wild rides like the one that upended the market at the end of last year. The fourth quarter of 2008 might be a harbinger of things to come, he said. 
in his 51-page annual letter to shareholders. Uh, Diamond cited a raft of issues driving the more pessimistic outlook, including uncertainty about the Federal Reserve's interest rate shifts, which there is no uncertainty about the Federal Reserve interest rate shifts and the fact that the way it sounds, it sounds like you know they may raise rates, but again, but that's not going to happen. What I think he's saying is, uh, what did they see about a slowness in the worldwide economy that made him change on a dime? And Germany's economic slowdown, uh, German output is uh, is horrible right now. And Brexit, uh, and the trade spat with China. Now the president is a brilliant, brilliant uh, marketer. Uh, he came out this week and said uh, we're on the verge. This is the fifteenth time uh, in the last three months uh, we're on the verge of a deal. Uh, but it uh, probably be um, another four weeks or maybe two weeks after that. Uh, so nobody wants to sort of exit the market. Uh, it's keeping the algorithms, uh, which you know, program momentum, uh, and they base it on uh, positive news about trade tariffs and uh, other uh, elements, uh, keeping them buying and in uh, the fear of missing out. So. Uh, He's brilliant the way he's doing it. And, of course, I'm sure if they don't have a, a, a pro, uh, some kind of deal by the end of uh, April, early May, <clears throat> he'll come out and say, well, it's just uh, by, by June 1st, uh, this is going to be all wrapped up. You know, he just keeps it going and going and going. I'm going to keep a bid underneath the market because nobody wants to be out of the market when they finally announce a, a deal uh, where you might get another 2% pop. So, but... You know, the powers to be, Jamie Dimon was out and about warning people that uh, don't be too complacent here. And you can't be because, remember, this whole epic, massive bubble has all been built back up on debt. And, uh, you know, debt is much more uh, of a uh, fear uh, to an investor. When you get a saturation of debt, remember, debt is not all that liquid. Uh, when you have all these corporations buying back their stock by borrowing money and all these other issues going on with government debt and everything else, uh, it's it's such a much bigger market. I think right now worldwide debt's $247 trillion. That's right, Rick. The uh, International Institute of International Finance came out and they said the mountain of global debt expanded by $3.3 trillion last year. Total debt in the U.S. grew by 2.9 trillion to more than 68 trillion, and uh, the largest annual increase since 07. So, you know, the debt is always the predicate to what happens in the stock market. Yeah, and uh, and when when you're when you're banking on higher and higher debt levels, when you're coming, you know, off of a historic high debt level to continue the economic growth uh, of the cycle, uh, it's very dangerous because all it has to do is slow down a little bit. And uh, the ripples are enormous uh, through the economies uh, of the world. And that doesn't get any respect. And it's exactly what happened in 2008 and 2009. Uh, but this time, the debt is much bigger. It shifted from the consumer over to governments and corporations. Uh, and then they've gone to town on it much bigger than any individual group would have ever done. And the lesson then. was in 2008 that we were supposed to deleverage. We were supposed to contract credit. Exactly. And we've actually done the complete opposite. So you can see where a lot of the growth yeah. has come from. And we're going to talk about the short memory syndrome uh, when we come back from a break. Be right back. Money for nothing and it's free. Now that ain't working. That's the way you do it. Let me tell you, damn guys ain't 
Okay, folks, we're back here, and you can join us here live at uh, 315-421-9797, Rickard, Shirley, Brian Leonard. And uh, and this week, again, uh, we had big outflows in the stock market. Uh, according to the Bank of America, uh, they keep track of all this. It says investors pulled $7.7 billion from equity funds in the latest week, and yet the market went up 2%. Hmm. Hmm. Why? Well, corporate stock buybacks. Uh, so far this year, up $270 billion as of the end of March. So you multiply it times four, and you're going to end up with well over $1 trillion of stock buybacks. And, of course, they come to – they slow right down as soon as the market goes down. Um, and so uh, it's setting us up for a second half, uh, you know, somewhat of a surprise here. And uh, they also have investors via derivatives is another reason why the market's up. And it's, that's all about the, uh, uh, that uh, beta chasing, uh, you know, as, as momentum goes up in the market, these derivatives have to keep <clears throat> adding to their positions to maintain a uh, semblance of balance with the, with the rising indexes. And it keeps adding money and money and money to it. And that's why you get this continuous rise in the market, yet you get the big investment houses and individuals pulling money out left and right. Um, and, of course, it could go up. Uh, you know, Bank of America here says we've got, you know, it could go up to the new highs, uh, like 29.50, 29.40, and the S&P is about 2% higher. And we could actually get to 3,000 in the S&P. And, uh, and remember, what's driving it again is a massive amount of liquidity that's entered the market uh, because – uh, of additional leverage being applied to all kinds of investments because they don't have to worry about the Federal Reserve anymore. And so that money is just poured in, and uh, it's artificially pushing up equity prices. And, uh, and of course, the hope is that uh, there's justification for all this with higher growth in the second half of the year. Uh, they're basing it primarily on China, that China is going to, after slowing down considerably, uh, since 2018, uh, is now you know going to bounce back here and save the world again, and things have gotten a little bit better there in the last month. So that's the whole basis of the market continuing to go higher in the second half of the year. But uh, I think they've priced that in already uh, with a market up you know over 15 percent so far this year. So you know be prepared for a sharp, vicious pullback at some point in time. Doesn't mean you gotta panic, uh, but at some point there will be a rec- reconciliation for the levels of debt that are out there uh, when you combine those with a slower growth rate. And right now, uh, everybody's thinking the growth is going to pick up. Uh, therefore, there's no fear of higher debt levels. Uh, the market's uh, uh, showing that by you know basically this calmly keep going up each and every week. Uh, but there's no recognition of the the value. I mean, stocks are getting hugely expensive. Uh, so they're not even coming close to prepping their value for any slowdown. And so we're going to go through the earnings time here, and we'll see what happens there. Now, we came up with a pretty strong job numbers on Friday, which was a big positive for the for the markets, even though when you look into it and you, you start scraping some of the uh, rhetoric off, uh, you know we did get a hundred. Uh, what was hundred ninety five thousand? Hundred ninety thousand, right, John? Right. Yep. Uh, but 
this article here says March jump was entirely due to part-time workers, which rose by 60,000 uh, in the jobs report, while full-time workers dropped by 190,000. Biggest monthly decline since August 2018. Uh, that was one issue. And, of course, manufacturing jobs were actually uh, the lowest in 18 months. Uh, so that's not good either. And that's reflecting, you know, slowness in the uh, auto industry and some other factors out there. Um, so manufacturing employment actually uh, is is negative right now. Uh, and uh, retail lost 12,000 jobs. And let's you know, go through the piece, list. right, here. was the uh, average hourly earnings. And uh, uh, I was we, getting to that. Yeah. You're right. Go ahead. It was uh, in uh, prior month, it was up 0.4%. Very, very, very uh, good number. And this one, the most recent, only 0.1%. And uh, they said a lot of that was due to the factory. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Overtime has been decreasing. Which isn't a sign of strength. Not at all. Not at all. Yep. And, uh, and of course, you know, let's just get back to basics, which nobody cares about anymore. But if consumers you know, aren't getting that bigger pay raise, uh, well, what's going to propel you know, all the purchases uh, to buy products in all these corporations which have to increase their profits? Uh, well, obviously, it's been uh, a sporadic increase in wages here. Last month was 0.4, like you said, Brian, but in January it was only 0.1. So if you combine January, February, and March – you got a 0 0.1, 0 0.4, it's 0.5, right? 0.6. You divide that by three, and you get 0.2. So on an annualized basis, that would be 2.4%. Uh, it did come down from what was 3.4% annual gain for wages to a 3.2 because you have to add in this 0.1. And so you, you always have to keep reality in check here because uh, it's the fundamentals always will win. Uh, sometimes... It takes four or five years to kick them in, but they do. You know, back if you think back to 2008's debacle, all that stuff uh, was evident in 2004, uh, what was happening and how people were being able to get deeper and deeper into debt uh, without proving any ability to pay it back. And it didn't happen. It didn't collapse in 2005, didn't collapse in 2006, didn't collapse in 2007, but it finally collapsed uh, because it got back to fundamentals where – if you're borrowing a lot of money, you better be able to pay it back. And it turned out not to be the case for a lot of people. So um, same thing right now. Uh, if you want a higher stock market at this point in time, uh, you have to have consumers have more money to spend. You can't just rely on additional credit card debt and all the other things that we typically uh, rely on because that gets to a saturation point and then, you know, stalls and then, Stocks don't have any fuel, and that's when they do QE3, QE4, QE5, or QE6, and that's the sickness of this whole situation we're in right now. A lot more to talk about here. We'll be back in just a few. 
Okay, folks, we're back here talking about the toxicity of the current environment. You know, uh, it's crazy how we've allowed this to happen. I mean, these people are coming out now. Uh, Jamie Dimon, of course, and uh, was it Ray, uh, what's his name there? Dalio. Dalio, uh, big hedge fund manager, also talking about the, uh, uh, the insanity that exists today. Uh, but they weren't around, those voices, when the Fed was doing QE2, QE3, <laughs> you know. They just were non-existent uh, because uh, it helped them, you know, garner more assets under management and, of course, uh, more appreciation. Uh, but, you know, the failure of the central banks, and it's not, not all their fault, but the, it's the bulk of it's their fault. The failure of the central banks to recognize that what they were building was this huge leveraged bubble, uh, which they had built before with the housing situation. Sure. Uh, but they did it all over with corporate debt and, and, of course, now government debt, allowing it to happen by keeping rates lower for longer and then, uh, of course, infusing all this fake liquidity into the market by these uh, QE programs. Um, so it's it's become very artificial, you might say, in the sense that it's uh, become the market. I mean, this week, Japan came out, and this is a, this is very interesting. The Bank of Japan is now on its 10th year of domestic stock buying. Say that again, stock buying through exchange-traded funds, ETFs, and it's showing little sign of winding the program down. With a stated inflation target of 2%, which is very elusive, this 2% target that they come up with, it's just like, it's like, the ultimate propaganda machine. It's like, you know, who said you got to have 2% inflation? Uh, nobody. Stability and prices is the goal of all central banks. And that means zero, right? Not 2%. The reason they do 2% is because they've led this mission uh, throughout the globe of higher and higher debt levels to keep rescuing the economy. And, of course, they can't afford for any deflation because you financed all these assets with debt and if they go down in value, of course, uh, that's the end of the world as we know it. So they keep trying to get this 2% inflation, uh, and that's that's the, the backbone of all the money printing presses around the globe. And it's, it's, it's flawed. It's stupid. It just creates more danger for the future. But anyways, uh, not only does Japan uh, print money, uh, but they also buy stocks. The bank governor... Hirokaido Kuroda rejected criticisms of the program to buy their own stock in the stock market in an address to Japan's parliament in December and dismissed the notion that an exit should be considered anytime soon. Now, this isn't an exit from printing money. It's an exit from buying their own stock market. Last year, the bank bought over $55 billion of exchange-traded funds, which represent the uh, Japanese stock market, in line with its target for 2018, and now holds close to 80% of the outstanding Japanese exchange-traded fund equity assets. Today, purchases, uh, total purchases to date represent 5% of the country's total market capitalization. I mean, that's how insane it is, and, and, and nobody brings this up on the news, that here's a country that their stock market is the same price it was 28 years ago. And yet their government, through their central bank, is buying 
their stock market, which, you know, that's the worst thing you can do in a capitalist society. And that's why I worry so much about capitalism. Capitalism is going to get blamed for this income inequality. When you, when you, you know, generate this massive wealth on the top, that's basically top 0.1% versus everybody else, maybe 1%, but not, I don't even think it's that big, uh, income inequality, which we had back in the late 20s, uh, which led to you know, a lot of social dislocation. Um, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, what's what's causing this? Well, it's simple. It's QE1, QE2, bail the banks out, QE3, and then, of course, the Fed bailing out and raising rates anymore. Uh, it's all about, uh, you know, getting the wealth of the nation that they're trying to preserve up to the top, and hopefully it'll trickle down to the bottom. And, uh, of course, that doesn't work. It's ridiculous. And so that's why the middle class gets, you know, bifurcated and so polarized because, you know, one side saying this is the reason, the other side saying this is the reason, but they're, the, 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 both sides are suffering in the middle class. Uh, so you, you get this throughout Europe. You get it here. You know, we can blame immigration. We can blame whatever we want. But the rich just are getting richer because they're just creating all this money so that it flows into people who can take a bigger risk with equities. It's actually not a bigger risk because they're they're making sure the markets don't go down. That's the purpose behind all this printing is making sure the stock markets don't go down. And it's it's an unfair advantage and it and it shifts all that uh, wealth over to that way up to the top. And uh, of course then people get mad and they start blaming capitalism. Capitalism didn't do that. Correct. Central banks did that. Correct. And it's and, a centrally planned entity. It's just like anything yeah. from the old uh, Soviet Union stories that you're reading. This is this is uh, mm-hmm. centrally planned stock markets and debt markets. Yeah. This is not a free market. Absolutely not. And it's not capitalism. This is not capitalism, folks. No, capitalism is where, you know, the, the, the companies that prosper, that haven't relied totally on debt, have a, a, a decent balance sheet, survive a, a pullback. And the ones that don't, disappear. Uh, that's capitalism. It's well-run, well-managed, productive enterprises that treat their employees well, uh, that survive. And the ones that don't change or modify uh, as society changes and modifies its, its needs and demands, uh, do not prosper. Uh, but when you prop up the market with easily obtained cheap loans for every entity on the planet Earth, uh, you don't get any cleansing. You don't get any of that. So everything elevates. And that's dangerous because they're elevating with higher and higher debt levels. Correct. And higher valuations and higher prices. And we even had Jim Cramer come out this week. It was brilliant. I had to lift my head up to hear him talk just for at least this minute. But he said that uh, there are just so many companies out there that don't make any money, and people love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, uh, we went back to last week, uh, the uh, Lyft's IPO. Correct. It loses $900 billion, and uh, they priced it at $20 billion value uh, because of something that may happen in the future. You know, the, 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 the all economies uh, go through cycles, and the cycles are uh, usually – 
injected with a, a good form of capitalism. That is, the new technology comes about, and uh, it uh, is very attractive to the majority of people on the planet. And uh, whether it have been cell phones or faster computers, faster computer chips, all the things that came out in the 80s and 90s, and, 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 and it fosters some genuinely good economic growth. And I can't say the central banks were involved here and there, although Alan Greenspan would pop up every now and then. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was uh, a positive growth environment. And, of course, over time, those technologies get older, and they aren't being replaced by new ones that quickly. So you have growth slow down. And that's good because it sets the stage for the next technology cluster that comes out 10 years later or whatever, where everybody feels a need to have that, and those companies excel. But in the meantime, you get a pullback. Well, this QE program that we've allowed to happen, and history books will say it's the worst thing that ever happened to planet Earth, uh, did not allow that to happen. So we have you know Apple slowing down uh, on their on their iPhone sales. You have, you know, the maturing of a lot of these technologies uh, uh, over, you know, they've been around for 10 years or 20 years, and they mature. They get priced in, whether it's the Intels or the Microsofts. But to keep accelerating them higher, you know, with uh, more liquidity is just setting this up for a big disappointment down the road. And the question is, when's down the road? You know, I want to be in this market and want to be in this market until... It crashes, and of course, you never get out, and it goes down, and, and of course, you haven't made any money. I mean, you're still the same price we were back in um, September, right, Brian? Back That's prices. Right. Same price. To... September was the old high, so we haven't gone anywhere since September on the S&P, and that's not that long ago, but, you know, it's, what, eight months ago. And um, other indexes are down. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the big stocks, Apple's down uh, in that same time frame from September 20th. Uh, where the market is flat of last year is down 10% in the same time frame. Um, and the Russell 2000 is down 7%, same time frame. Uh, and keep you abreast of things here, the the tax-free bonds are up 4% the same time frame. Money market's up 1.1%, same time frame. With virtually and, no volatility. With virtually no volatility. And treasuries are up, uh, you know, 2 3 4%, 5% uh, in the same time frame that the market's done nothing for six months. And other indexes aren't even, uh, you have to go back farther for them to be made any money. So don't get lulled because this market could go higher, two, three. They're going to celebrate. It's going to be mainstream news. Oh, my gosh, you know, new high, new high, new high. And that's usually the zenith. That's usually the top. And uh, so don't get sucked into that. Got to take a quick break. We're right back. Okay, folks, home stretch here. The Summit Planning Financial. I'm Rick Urchilly, Brian Leonard. And uh, so the market's uh, just destined to do what it's going to do here. It's going to try to break out and make an all-time high here and then look out below. Uh, because, you know, we had retail sales come out this week. And uh, if you exclude autos and you go back November, December, January, and February, take out autos, uh, how much are retail sales up? Uh, minus 1.2%. Wait a minute. Retail sales for four months. This includes 
November and December, which Christmas. is your Christmas, right? That's the best retail environment of the year. And retail sales, ex-auto, is down 1.2%. Overall retail sales, including autos, down 1.1%. How about this one? Furniture. If you go back to October, furniture sales are down 3.8%. Just amazing. And you can go right down the list here. Um, you know, you got e-commerce probably doing the best. But even that isn't setting the world on fire. You had a 4.5% increase, a 4.5% decline. Uh, you know, so it's probably up about, oh, maybe 3 4%. But it isn't where it come close to uh, the declines you have in all the other uh, retail indexes here right now. And they came out this month uh, for uh, February, and they were supposed to be up 0.3. They came in at minus 0.2. But they did revise January, which was – at 0.2, up 0.7. But still, I just averaged it out. It just went, you know, November, December, January, and February, you know, and I came up with that minus 1.1%. Uh, and that that would never be in an environment where stocks would be hitting all time. Correct, right? correct. But it is. And so. the question always is, is, and you have to answer your own question, is, is what is the stimulator going to be? Is it going to be more artificial actions from central banks, or is it going to be a real fundamental upswing um, from the consumer? And if you look at one of the biggest components of the retail sales, well, that's cars. That's a big ticket item. And uh, in the first quarter, deliveries, uh, this is for new vehicle sales in the U.S., deliveries fell 3.2%. GMs, their sales fell 7% in the first quarter. But GMs got the solution, Rick. What's that? And uh, they're going to continue to raise their prices. We've got uh, combined sales of the 2019 Chevy Silverado and GMC Sierra uh, prices are up 20% year over year. Now, you know, it sounds like a little Apple-itis there. Apple sort of did the same thing with their iPhones, and they've been backtracking on their elevated prices for their iPhones. And, you know, on top of that, uh, GM has gone to not uh, reporting monthly auto sales. They do it by quarter now, like Apple. Apple no longer will tell you how many iPhones they're selling. So you're just sort of guessing in the dark, but many, many companies, uh, uh, especially in the auto world, which lends to retail sales, are having struggles here. Uh, it didn't stop them from borrowing money. Uh, we, it didn't. No, it didn't, because we hit a record. Uh, the credit report came out this uh, week, and uh, we had a record $1.57 trillion in student loan outstanding, uh, an increase of $10 billion in just the last quarter. Well, auto debt had an all-time high as well, uh, $1.15 trillion, an increase of $8.5 billion in the last quarter. And uh, if you add up all the credit, including uh, credit card debt, uh, we did another uh, record this week, uh, this month. Uh, of course, this is actually February's data, so got to go back a couple months. But it says uh, continuing increase in borrowing, so a credit storm, uh, above $4 trillion, we had an all-time high of credit, and that's going to be a combination of car loans, student loans, and credit card debt, of $4.04 trillion. Uh, all-time high. So when people say, well, you know, the consumer hasn't borrowed much money, well, they've paid down some of the mortgage debt. They know, have. So and, there's, And that's the thing. Uh, with the that, slowdown in housing. Yeah, but as far as everything else, you know, how much more auto loan debt can people uh, – Handle correct you know, with a median price of thirty-seven thousand dollars for an auto. Correct uh, today, uh, 
you know, it's, you know, we're reaching that peak point, and uh, you got to recognize that before you make any big investment decisions at this point in time. Uh, markets don't go up 1%, 2% a week, folks. Uh, uh, they could if you had some great economic news, but there hasn't been any great economic news to, to tell you about, to be honest about it. Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week. We have a great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. on this paid program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. International and emerging market investing involves special risks such as currency fluctuation and political instability and may not be suitable for all investors. Precious metal investing involves greater fluctuation and potential for losses. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor before making any financial investments securities offered through lpl financial member finra sipc okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.